Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Matty, Gordel. Gordel? Black Gordel. Michael, I usually screw up the ending. Now I know the beginning. This is a great start. That'll Mark. be my, my branded version of Wordle. <laughs> Mark, Matty, Gordy, and Michael today. Uh, how are we all doing? <laughs> I, well, I'm uh, quite thrown at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's now Gordel's corner. Uh, so, by the way, is it, Maddie, is it nice where you are? Like, it is like springtime here. It's awesome. It is 72 degrees here. Uh, that is 22 for the Canadians in the chat. Um, and I'm like going to have an existential crisis getting ready for work in a couple hours. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to do go. This. I want to go on the inside. It's nice outside. Yeah, it's 52 here. And to quote everybody from Massachusetts, it's it's freaking wicked warm today, and it's almost summer. So we're ready to go. Uh, how's it up in Canada? Uh, kind of gloomy. It's been snowing the last couple of days, but that seems to be melting now. It's certainly not 22 degrees, which is devastating to hear. <laughs> Sorry. I know. My, my hockey rink is melting. I'm kind of sad, but also excited that I can have my grass back in my yard. In my yard. I should, should I do the whole podcast in a bad Matt Damon departed accent? We'll just do it that <laughs> oh way. Freaking flames in the Oilers tonight. It's going to be a wicked piss of a game. Michael, how are you doing? Pretty good, Mark. How are you doing? I'm freaking fabulous. All right, let's hop right in. Flames and Oilers tonight. The uh, battle, to continue the Massachusetts accent, the battle of Alberta tonight. Uh, Calgary gets Edmonton for the third time this season. Um, Edmonton has kind of slapped the flames around. A little bit outscoring them 10 to 5 in the two games they've played but this ain't your grandfather's oilers from the start of the season um edmonton is on quite the slide um mike smith is completely crippled i i'm shocked that that you know is anybody really shocked that that has happened um he's out he's not in tonight he has an illness i think his illness is just crappy goaltending so um maddie your thoughts tonight on um flames and oilers um it should be interesting they always seem to be interesting but i am not super scared of the Oilers right now. I mean, like, they didn't look great against the Flyers last week, so that's pretty embarrassing, if you ask me. And they also lost to the, was it Montreal 5-2? to two? I mean, at least the Flames lost it overtime. Uh, Gordel, your thoughts on <laughs> Flames and Oilers tonight? Yeah, they the Flames need to win. They need to beat the Oilers. As good as everything's been going, that's been a black spot on their record this year, and not not too fun for Flames fans to deal with, speaking from personal experience. Michael, um, much like Maddie, are are you afraid of Edmonton at this point, or is Edmonton just kind of like <laughs> they're cute, but we're good? No, like not at all. I think I don't know. I would say the Flames are going to win these next two against the Oilers pretty handily. They uh, Calgary probably should have won at least one of the first two, if not both. I thought they were the better team in both games. So like. If they can just stay out of the box tonight, they, I think they're going to have no problem like easily handling the Oilers. They're just not a good team. 
Yeah, I think staying out of the box is key. Edmonton's power play is so good and so dangerous. You don't really want to put those guys on the ice anytime. But I mean, I think anything more than twice, you're uh, you're playing with fire at that point. And Calgary's kind of had some uh, issues with penalties lately, just taking absolute dumb, nonsensical penalties. The other night, um, it wasn't in the Colorado game, but uh, the previous matchup, they had like two five-on-threes they had to kill, which was not good at all. That's that's a, not a recipe for success. Um, tonight, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the ridiculous game from Saturday night in a moment, but um, I want to go over the lines tonight. Um, <laughs> Daryl Sutter's made some interesting changes. And again, uh, Daryl Sutter does not care what you think, doesn't care what anybody thinks. Daryl going to do what Daryl going to do. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, Lynn Holman, and Chuck. Okay, there's your top line. Uh, your second line is Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund, and uh, Trevor Lewis. Um, your third line is Andrew Manjupani, Adam Rzitska, and Tyler Toffoli. I like that. Your fourth line might as well be running in mud. That's Milan Lucic, Sean Monahan, and Dylan Dubé. Uh, defense stays the same. Ready? Everybody put on your shocked face. Jacob Markstrom is starting tonight in that against Edmonton. Um, Michael, your thoughts on... Um, that interesting second line, um, is Trevor Lewis being rewarded for play or is Daryl just being like, eh, whatever? I think it's a, without directly saying it, I think it's a shut down the best player in the world line. Like, I think we're going to see that that third line, the Manjapani Razichka to Foley line, get a ton of offensive zone faceoffs tonight. I think the Coleman, Backlund, Lewis line, like anytime Connor McDavid's on the ice tonight, they're going to be against him, giving him hell, hopefully. and. I really think that's all there is to it. I think it just makes sense to kind of stack against a team like this, that if you shut down their best player or their best two players, like they've got nothing. So I'm all for it. I think Lewis has been a fine player all year, so I don't really have any issues. Yeah, no, I. it's a great thought to, to shut that line down because if you look at Coleman in the big games, it looks like, I think I said at one point, he doesn't sniff the sniffing salts. He eats them. Like he just, his eyes are just massive. He's like a lunatic. He's out there. Backlund's always a good defensive uh, center, and Lewis has played well. Um, go to your thoughts. You, you psyched to see that fourth line hit the ice? <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just like Mike said. It's every time the Flames play the Oilers, it's the same damn story. It's the same two guys scoring against the Flames, and Clearly, they've they've put a priority on shutting those guys down tonight. And I mean, Daryl himself kind of yells himself red in the face for putting um, numbers on these lines and defensive pairings. So it's you know you can look at the Backlund Lewis Coleman line as the second line, but really, like they are the shutdown line, and that's pretty much it. Because yeah, that Manjapani Rizicka to Foley line is a really interesting trio. I think a lot of people will be excited to see them tonight. But like that's a purely offensive uh, assignment for them. I'm not sure how much trust Daryl has in Ruzichka's defending at this point and big assignments. Other than that, they've they've clearly prioritized speed over heaviness tonight with Dubé and Ruzichka coming back in and Richie and Richardson coming back out. So if the Flames play fast, they, they'll be able to keep up with the Oilers and make this a good game. I just want to see at one point Edmonton's look when they throw out Coleman, Backlund, Lewis, Zadorov, and Branson. <laughs> All five of those guys on the ice at one time, just throwing bodies around. Matt, Maddie, we talked a little bit in pre. Like, I'm excited to see Toffoli play with people who can skate. You know, who aren't just like dragging him down. Um, your thoughts? Yeah, definitely excited to see the new guy finally optimized. Uh, weird that it took them this long to do it, but I guess I can't complain. 
Yeah, it's like Toffoli has been like, he's been like, oh, great, I'm going to Calgary. This is going to be awesome. Why am I have to play with those two guys? Like, so it's like finally he's got some some speed to be out there. I want to see him and Manjapani together. I think that'll be fun. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, defensive pairings stay the same. I don't know why they wouldn't. They've all been playing pretty well. Uh, hopefully, Oliver Shillington has gotten his skate sharpened in the last few days because he's been doing his best Sam Bennett fall down at the worst opportune time a couple times a game. Um, and, you know, Jacob Marks turned back between the pipes. Um, Let's go touch on Colorado. Uh, Calgary, uh, that was a heck of a game. I don't know if I can handle the seven-game series in the playoffs with those two. Um, but, Matty, uh, that game was just bananas. Like, back and forth, it looked like maybe Calgary was going to come out early and, like, take that game down. Then all of a sudden, they pushed back. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is just – he's ridiculous. And just to, and to see Dan Vladar be thrown to the wolves like that again, it's like Sutter's like, oh, another great team? Go ahead. You could play the best team in the West. Have at it. Uh, what did you think of that game? Uh, it was wild. I actually, I watched it Sunday morning because Saturday night I was just like, no way I'm staying up for this. I am a grandma. I cannot hang. And then I started watching it um, in the morning. I'm like, oh, I maybe I should have stayed up for this. This is great. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I feel like I shouldn't be surprised with how well these two teams matched up, but man, they matched up well. Uh, Michael, uh, that game as a whole, like Calgary beat the best team in the West and hung with them punch for punch during that game. Uh, is Do we really kind of have a rough idea now of really how good the Flames are? I think at least for now we have to take that and run with it. Like it was, it felt like when Colorado got that early goal, it felt like, oh no, is this going to be like a 7-1 kind of game where they just run Vladar into the ground, but the Flames came back twice. Colorado scored in the first. The Flames scored right back within a few minutes. And yeah, like you said, they were right there punch for punch the rest of the game. And I still think, obviously, Colorado is the better team. But I think we saw that the Flames aren't as far behind as maybe we could have thought before. And they played twice more this month. So I think it's going to be another good challenge for them just to see kind of again where they stand they've got i think one before the trade deadline one after the trade deadline too so that also be interesting to see like if they bring anyone else in how much better they would match up in the second meeting so yeah i i was totally impressed by it and the fact that they got the win too like with, with vladar with all that going on like full marks to them yeah, Gordy, your thoughts on Vladar on a Saturday night? Um, he had that huge save in the win- save in the waning moments. I think it was Goudreau turned the puck over or missed a defensive assignment, and Colorado came in. I think it was a two-on-one, and he made a beautiful right pad save, uh, kicking it out to keep the game tied so it could get to overtime. Um, it just seems like he gets the tough games. He's had Carolina, he's had the Caps, he's had uh, Tampa, and now he's had uh, the Colorado. When you look at the upcoming schedule, it's like, oh, they got the Capitals and they got the Lightning and they got the Avalanche. Is he going to start those three because they're the Flames' three hardest games? Yeah, like uh, he's most likely going to be in that Wednesday versus Tampa Bay at this rate for no reason. But um, overall, yeah, like a really good game. Like it's hard for a goalie to give up a goal like that a minute into the to a game that is so heavily anticipated like that one second after he makes a really incredible save with his paddle and the other two goals were you know really good goal scoring goals by two high level players and other than that I thought he played really well he made some really important saves in that third period on on power plays on bad turnovers by Shillington some other guys late in that game and he got a huge win for the team and I I don't know what how Daryl feels about goalies and stuff but like nothing like getting the win is the most important thing in that scenario. And for him to 
pull out something that massive against the best team in the league like that has to earn him some some serious staying power with the coach. Yeah, and I mean, he, it's not like he had a light workload either. I mean, he, he faced 36 shots. He stopped 33 of them. Uh, he made some big saves when they needed him to. And you look at the stats too, and I guess Sutter's really playing the numbers on that one, you'd have to think. On the road, which we joked beforehand, it's easy to have a better record on the road because he's only played he's only played one game at the Dome. But he's 7-3-1 and one on the road compared to Markstrom's 11-7. and seven. So he's really putting his faith in Vladar just tossing him out there. And honestly, it's only going to make him a better goalie if he plays against better teams. However, Maddie, I would have thought Vladar would have got the start against Montreal. I don't think Markstrom was horrible against Montreal, but I don't think he did anything to really help the Flames against Montreal. Yeah, it was uh, a really weird choice. And like I was saying, my sort of tinfoil hat theory on this is like it almost feels like Sutter's setting Vladar up to fail and then when he does that justifies him playing Markstrom so much and I mean I don't think that's actually it I really hope it's not because that's psychotic but like I cannot think of another reason why he's been managing him in this way no, and if at some point if you have Ladar, don't you just look at management and be like, you know, like uh, it's a slap shot moment. Be like, trade me right fucking now. Get on the phone and be like, get me the hell out of here. I want to play because I am good. Um, goaltending moves too, and I, I really hope your theory is wrong too. And it's the ultimate. I love that tinfoil hat theory. It's fantastic, but I hope it's wrong because if it's, this is just the most banana season. Who, who the hell knows where it's going to go from there? Um, Colorado makes that goaltending change Saturday night. Um, do you think that game, Michael? Uh, if if uh, Kemper stays in, do you think that game goes completely awry for Colorado? Because Colorado, that goaltending change really gave them some some momentum and it settled them down. Yeah, I th- I don't know. I think once once Eric Branson scores on you, you kind of got hit the showers after that. Like, although he is the league's hottest uh, defensive goal scorer, I think in the last like six weeks. So look out, like Kale McCarr and stuff. Like he, Good Branson's coming for Norris, but um, yeah, I think he had to make a change there. Like, well, I don't think the goals were all his fault. I think it just Colorado needed a bit of a wake up. So I totally thought it made some sense. And Franco's was a very good goalie before he kind of, he missed most of this year with an injury, but he's been subtly a really good kind of out of nowhere goalie for the avalanche the last couple of years. So I totally agree with that. And I think, yeah, it just settled him down. It kind of settled the game down a bit too, before that was pretty wild. So yeah, I'm all in on that. And I, I thought they made a, the right decisions. Just Kemper wasn't at his very best, but I don't think the Avalanche were necessarily defending their best either before that move was made. No, and let's get to overtime. Um, Johnny's goal is going to get all the the hoopla over it, but everything that started that was Elias Lindholm's play in the defensive end. Um, it was a, it was just a great check. He just shoves the guy off the puck. He's like, get the hell out of the way. Give me the puck. And then he has the wherewithal to collect the puck, turn, look, see Goudreau, get behind McKinnon, fire the puck off the boards. Gordy, I can only imagine, I wish there was a tight shot of McKinnon's face as he turned around and saw Goudreau flying past him because he was probably like, no, because McKinnon couldn't even catch him. Um, your thoughts on that play? Yeah, it's hard to kind of throw these words around on a regular season goal, but the the whole play felt very like iconic. Like you, I don't I don't know if you guys saw, but Gaudreau and McKinnon were just chatting away at the faceoff circle the entire lead up to the puck drop, and like lo and behold, look who's chasing who on the game winning goal. There's the great picture, Gaudreau swinging by the side of the net with you know McKinnon's face in the background. It was just an awesome play. I I think Lindholm's 
strip of the puck on that play is probably the most underrated part of it by far. But yeah, what an awesome game for the Flames. Go ahead, Maddie. Have at it. <laughs> I have a sidebar. What is going on with Nathan McKinnon this season? He has lost his damn mind. I don't know. He, I just, nobody has made himself more unlikable in the past like calendar year than Nathan McKinnon. I, I just want to know what that Same. conversation was. Was it like Johnny being like, I said it was like, hey, Nathan, I'm going to uh, blow past you, collect a puck and score the game winning goal on it. Just picture McKinnon going, okay, Johnny. <laughs> just like shutting him down. But Maddie, your boy starts the whole process. He's been so good. Like, I just, that's all I have to say. He's been yeah. so good. Michael, we, we always gush about Johnny Gaudreau. We literally are like, like, if we could make pom-poms with Johnny's face on him, we would be like swinging them and shaking them constantly. But I wrote a little bit on Sunday about just how damn lucky we are to be able to watch Elias Lindholm because he's not as flashy as Gaudreau. He's not as big of a pain as Kachuk. He doesn't do those crazy things. He's just so solid on every aspect of his game, whether it's the power play, the penalty kill, the face-off circle, playing defense. He's feeding. The, he's got uh, 24 points in his last 15 games. Like he's just so quietly amazing. Oh, also, and he's really cheap. Yeah, all of that. He's got the flash. He's or he doesn't have quite the flash of like a Kachuk or Goudreau, but like he's just got everything you could want, like under control. He's got the the cap hit, like you said, for a couple more years. That it's just everything about him is fantastic. Um, I didn't want to touch on like what Maddie said. Yeah, like McKinnon's kind of losing it this year. I don't know what it is, but like I remember that story about him came out earlier in the year where it's like he doesn't basically eat anything anymore. Like he's going like the Tom Brady diet. Like, and then I remember they I don't know who it was on Twitter, but someone spliced in like a a quote from Gaudreau where it's like. Uh, yeah, usually after the game, I feel like I've worked pretty hard, so I'll have like half a cheese pizza in the hotel room. Like, always got to order a pie up or something, and that's like him skating away from McKinnon while like <laughs> the side by side is like McKinnon's quote or like how like McKinnon doesn't do anything except like drink water and like chickpea pasta. <laughs> you look at it and say, maybe ham and cheese sandwiches and pizza—that's the real diet when you play pro hockey. I don't know. Yeah, the the, the whole setup was great. It was just funny to watch because McKinnon was like he was so dangerous all game, and when you think like when the puck was on his stick, and you're like. Like Johnny's awesome, but is he faster than McKinnon? And then to watch him just like, how do you lose Johnny Gaudreau on the ice, Maddie? How does that happen? Especially when you're an NHL star like Nathan McKinnon. I don't know. He just like turned his brain off for a second there. I I have no explanation for that. Yeah, it's like that scene from Aladdin where like Aladdin's like spinning his head around going, no, <laughs> like looking for him. Gaudreau was just, and then to watch McKinnon try to catch him and he couldn't, like Gaudreau turned on the afterburners and was gone and Calgary takes down the best team in the West in overtime. So yeah, good, good, good things happening on Saturday night. Not so good against the Canadians. Um, the schedule upcoming is brutal. Um, the league hates the flames. I think it's the only way to describe it. Um, the amount of games they have coming up and what they, I mean, there's a few cupcakes in there. They've got the red wings. Um, they got the devils. Um, you know, they got Buffalo, uh, but like, it's not going to be like, the capitals will be tough. The lightning will be tough. Colorado will be tough. Uh, for say for this week, uh, it's five games in seven, seven days. If, if the flames say go three, three, two and zero this week, uh, Gordy, is that a, is that a success for the week? You think? Yeah, for a, for a week Sutter describes as borderline illegal, I think three and two, a winning record of any kind is is good. It's it's not all walkover teams. It is, yeah, Tampa Bay, Washington, Edmonton. There's some good teams in there. So a hard week like this, like we might be seeing some ugly hockey come next weekend when the fatigue really starts to set in of a of a set like this. But yeah, 
a winning record of any kind, I think, is has to be any a success. And I know, Michael, you're thinking right away, a 3-2-0 record. It's going to be that the three wins will be Washington, Tampa, and Colorado, right? And they'll lose to Detroit and Edmonton. Oh, yeah, that's definitely what it would be. Um, <laughs> I don't Every time we've had one of these, like, oh, this would be, like, a good, like, kind of baseline for them to shoot for, they seem to, like, outperform. So I wouldn't be shocked if they went as high as 4-1 and one, just because they have kind of overshot everything we've kind of predicted as, like, a good, like, baseline for them this year. But... I think three and two is probably realistic. Like there's just, there's a bunch, there's, they've been good at home, but there's three tough opponents there. The Oilers always play them tough. And then I don't know. I think the Red Wings are a bit better than people are expecting. So it's going to be a tough challenge, but I think if they can get through this stretch, just kind of keep chugging along, like they should be in a pretty good spot to kind of seal things down in the division, like the rest of March here. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, And it's always those teams that catch Calgary. Like earlier in the season, San Jose caught the Flames napping. So did uh, Montreal, and then Montreal caught them napping again the other night. Though the Canadians are a little bit a better team than they they were at the start of the season. We're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Flames. Um, Mark Giordano also played his 1,000th NHL game, which is actually a pretty cool story. Then we're going to talk about that guy down in Vegas because he's actually making quite an impact in the Pacific Division. We'll talk about that when we come back on the Tinderbox. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Gordy, and Michael today. There, I got it all out. Um, Gordy, uh, go off on Edmonton. Um, it, Edmonton, I think when we started this thing, we all thought that Edmonton was going to run the division and everybody else would kind of fall in line behind them just because when you have the two best players in the league, you should be good. But um, goaltending has clearly been their kryptonite. Um are you surprised it's kind of gone? I mean, not maybe with the goaltending because it's Mike Smith and, you know, Koskinen, and it's not the best pairing ever. But um, are you kind of surprised it's kind of gone off the rails as much as it has? Yeah, like when you start to look at teams like Edmonton and, I'm, I mean, Toronto's quickly finding themselves in the same boat too. Like it really makes you appreciate how well the Flames have built themselves from the back end forward. And they've they've got six NHL caliber defensemen they've got two good goaltenders and then you know the forwards are almost like a bonus at that point like they're they're building off a solid foundation and like the Oilers and Leafs at this point now are just showing how dangerous it can be to be so top heavy because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl aren't going to be on the ice for 60 minutes a game and they also can't play defense and they, they don't play goalies so I mean, just just seeing these teams struggle the way they do from from these positional um, deficits, it's it's just really really a good measuring stick for for how well the Flames have put themselves in a position depth wise for what's hopefully a long season. Which is crazy because that's something you never would have thought with Calgary. I mean, for years Calgary had that goaltending nightmare duo, whether it was Jonas Hiller and Kari Ramo or. Uh, you know, Brian Elliott was here or, 
Leland Irving, like the goaltending mess that Calgary had for the longest time was what Edmonton's going through. And Calgary's d- defense wasn't always that great either. Um, they could score goals, but they weren't exactly the best defending team in the league. Um, Michael, between goaltending, lack of defense, firing a coach, Evander Kane, Dreisaitl yelling at the media, McDavid defending Evander Kane and yelling at the media. Uh, is it kind of enjoyable or is it better when the Oilers and Flames are both good? Um, I, I, I think I can enjoy it to a certain extent. It's nice to see that your biggest rival is kind of imploding on itself. But, like, I think the frustrating thing, if you're an Oilers fan, is that, like, all of this was completely predictable and com- completely self-inflicted. Like, when you look at even just the last month, the number of games they've lost with Mike Smith having Mike Smith performances, when they have uh, Stuart Skinner in the AHL, who's been there, like, a very good goalie when he's been called up for them, or even Koskinen's been playing well. Like, just their whatever reason they're even with the new coach just forcing Smith down everyone's throats, like for him to go in and lose games against like Montreal and have other performances where he'll let in a goal where he's like literally not in the net and then stare down his defenseman who didn't even like have the puck the entire play. Like it, it was just, it was also predictable from like the off season when they were like, Oh, let's get Duncan Keith. Like that'll fix things like Cody CC on the blue. Line. Like, like we expect them to be better. I thought they were going to at least be a top three team just because, like you said, they did have the high end talent. But I don't think it's a shock either that they're falling right now. They're out of the playoffs. If they lose tonight, they're pretty comfortably out of the playoffs, like two or three points back with the other teams having games in hand. So I'm not shocked by this. And I, I am kind of enjoying it a bit because, like, Woodcroft made things better for a bit there. But I just, there's too many fundamental issues with these Oilers to be fixed, even at, like at the trade deadline or something. Yeah, and you look at it too. I mean, if they lose tonight to Calgary, Calgary now has an 11-point lead in the division over them, which is absolutely insane. And what's nuts is their goal differential is only plus four. Like, you think about all, like, the offense they have, just how bad their goaltending is, compared to Flame, the Flames, who have the absolutely bananas plus 57. Like, that's that's just insane, like, how, like, the difference between these two teams. And Maddie. I, I love following Broad Street Hockey. It's one of my favorite things because this flyer season is awesome. Just watching everybody actively rooting against the flyers while covering the flyers is just, it's, I don't know, it's gold. I think it's fun to watch. Like, so you have that perspective from the flyers and understanding like how bad that season's been. What does that like type of play do to a fan base and like teams like how Edmonton's rolling right now and it's been just this controversy and gold as coaches being fired? Like, what does that do? Um, it, it definitely will uh will jokerify you. Everybody's turning into the Joker. Um, yeah, it's really tough. It's you kind of go through stages of grief in a weird way. Like I've reached a point where I'm like everything is bad and you know nothing can hurt me anymore. But it it's bad. Like if you're plugged into Flyers Twitter right now, everybody's so mad at each other over every single little thing, and it's not good. So I I feel bad for Oilers fans dealing with all of this nonsense because it is just not good. But, you know, the team is very much in well, 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 if it isn't the consequences of my own actions territory. So I just can't really I just love that the Flyers that. podcasts are fighting each other. Like they're <laughs> just angry at each other. It's so awesome. Uh, terrible season. That's a shame. Um, so now switching back quickly, uh, Mark Giordano played in his 1000th game. Um, how crazy is story to think that a guy who wasn't drafted and worked his way through 
Russia and, you know, through the minor leagues and got up, has played a thousand games and for the most part been an effective player for his career. Um, And it, I mean, we all know Mark Giordano. I think it was just, you know, worth mentioning that, you know, he's played in a thousand games. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Gordy, you got anything real quick? Yeah, just like you said, it's awesome for such a long time captain. The Flames kind of sucks. He didn't get those final 50 games in Calgary, but yeah, awesome for Mark. Michael, anything, any thoughts on that? Uh, forever a flame, or does five go up there? Um, I, I'm not sure anymore, actually. I, I think it's probably will, but yeah, no, I don't have a ton to say. Good for him. I'm happy for him, and I, I'm still not bringing him back, though. Everyone nope. keeps talking yeah. about it. We need to stop talking about that. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm Danny DeVito, Jim. Nope. <laughs> so, uh, Maddie, your thoughts on Gio? Good for him. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. It's all you got. Speaking of career highs, uh, Eric Branson scored his fifth goal the other day, which is a career high for him. He's also one point off from his career high in points. Um, he had a great quote earlier in the year where somebody asked him, I think he had games where he had back-to-back goals or something for like the first time in three years. And they were like, you know, do you remember? And he's like, I remember all my goals because I score them so frequently. <laughs> I mean, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but um, who had Eric Branson getting a career high in goals, uh, to quote one of my favorite podcasts, on their 2022 bingo card this year? Maddie, did you have it? absolutely not no way <laughs> somebody finally said he's finally living up to that top three billing uh being drafted out michael uh i know you're a big you're 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 pushing this one because he's the best scoring defenseman in the month of february uh did you have that on your card this year um probably not coming into the season but just on the 2022 bingo card i'm not shocked it's like probably like the least shocking thing that's happened in 2022 which is really saying something <laughs> so yeah, good for him. Like it, it's fun. He's it's fun because all the guys love him too. Like everyone's so happy when he scores. And I don't know. He's confident right now. Maybe he keeps going. Maybe I don't know. Does he hit ten and just blow up all of hockey yeah. like hockey Twitter? Like him and Lucic become like double digit goal scorers. Like I think the hockey world implodes a little bit. So I think it's I'm all in for chaos right now. Gordy, is good Branson gonna get ten goals and then end up getting a three year fifteen million dollar contract from somebody? God, at the beginning of the year, all I could see was the like Nicholas Grossman signing <laughs> when everyone knows it's bad, and then he's just as bad as everyone knew, and then they have to buy him out, whatever. But yeah, no, good Branson has been awesome. He's like Mike said, he's got that kind of Lucic energy where he kind of knows what he is and what he brings, and when he scores or when someone else scores, he's big smiles, he's thanking Zadorov for good passes. It's it's really fun to watch him out there. You know what my favorite part of him is? And he literally looks like he could just be someone's dad. Like, he, he just, like, with the beard and the mustache, he just looks like my dad or, like, my friend Eric's dad. Right now. He doesn't look like your prototypical NHL guy. He just looks like some guy. He's just some guy's dad. Like, that's what Branson looks like. You look at him on the ice, like, what's the guy from the beer league doing in the NHL? Like, he's just playing so well. It's I love it. I, that bottom that bottom D pairing is is my favorite. We all know I have, I have much love for Nikita Zadorov. So, like, I, that pairing is, like, that might be my favorite. Um, so Jack Eichel, um, it's kind of working out down there in Vegas. Six points in nine games. Um, is Jack Eichel going to make things really interesting in the last couple months here, Maddie? Uh, he sure might. I mean, it's. I still have no idea how Vegas going forward is going to maneuver with all of their players and cap situation. But uh, Eichel's been really good, and it's nice to see. Like amazing that they let him get the surgery that he wanted to get and he just got better funny how that he's works it's, 
funny thing works that doctors know things that that, that NHL general managers don't, Gordy. Um, Eichel, you know, I I think it's a great story. I mean, it sucks for Flames fans because he's in the Pacific to see him, like, tearing it up. But um, they're playing Buffalo in Buffalo soon. And the big talk today, um, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick were talking about it, like, does he get a video tribute because of how poorly things went at the end? But um, honestly, I think I got to side with the player here, Gordy. Like Eichel knew what he wanted. His doctors knew what he wanted. And in the short term right now, looks good. Yeah, from the surgery perspective, I think it's a it's a good thing for all of hockey athletes as a whole. I mean, even though you're kind of an asset owned by an organization, you still should have the you know, the autonomy over your own body. So I think that's, you know, that's awesome that it worked out that way. But, you know, I, Vegas has certainly not been all that great since he's joined them. They're kind of slip sliding around the bottom of the uh, playoff standings now. So I don't know. He's He's been okay. He scored a huge goal for them last night against Ottawa. But, I mean, outside of that, I, I haven't watched him. I'll, I'll admit that, like, a whole game. But stats-wise, Vegas – um Vegas's success with them is not has been pretty mediocre, honestly, and might might uh, might be a little bit of a mistake to have Mark Stone where he is at the moment. Yeah, you look at them right now. He's played nine games with Vegas. Vegas is four, five, and one in their last ten. They won two in a row. Uh, they got their sixty-eight points. They're five points behind the Flames. Michael is Jack Eichel enough to um with Stone out? Is Eichel enough to propel Vegas further up and challenge Calgary at this point for the division? Which is something I don't think we thought we'd be saying two weeks ago. Yeah, I think Vegas is they've ha- they've got other issues. Like I don't think their goaltending's been up to snuff lately. Like Robin Lehner's been pretty questionable the last couple of months here and I think that's their bigger issue right now is they just don't really know what's going to go happen in the crease. It's almost like they shouldn't have traded a Vesna winner for nothing, but <laughs> like it's kind of I think Eichel makes them a little bit better. Like if you go one for one Eichel in for stone, like I don't think Vegas actually gets that much better. I think stone just stir does so much to drive what Vegas is kind of working towards. So like when they're both conveniently ready the day before the playoffs starts, I'm sure Vegas will turn back into the wagon. We've kind of seen them, but like without either Eichel or stone, the lineup just as they are, I think they're like a second in the Pacific kind of team. I don't think they're a top flight Western conference team. And Unfortunately, they're going to use that workaround to suddenly be all healthy for the playoffs, and then we'll have to deal with it then. So I just hope the Flames can at least avoid them in the first round, maybe both if they're lucky. Yeah, and I think you look at something, too, that's underrated in that equation is Stone and Eichel don't get to play together in a game until the playoffs start. So how do they gel? How does that dynamic work? You know, are there enough pucks to go around? Yada, yada, yada. But I hate the idea that they can just drop him into the lineup like it's no big deal. Like, oh, playoffs are here. Okay, we got everybody again. Like, I I hate that. Um, But yeah, I I think it could make things interesting. But um, who knows if Jack Eichel is enough to slow down the inferno that is the calgary flames which is something i like i said i don't think we thought we were saying three weeks ago or as we went into the covid break when things were for calgary so um gordy we got three minutes left anything in gordy's corner this week how are we all feeling about the new uh stanley cup playoffs logo you know i i have the i have the again and kippersoft 041 so i'm partial to that logo it reminds me of reminds me of the old days it's like being a kid i i kind of like it the new one it's what the NHL is. It's more flashy. It's 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 black and silver and white. You know what the league wants. I I, I say go back to the old one, Maddie. I think it's funny that they gave every team a mock up. I know you have to, but like Montreal, 
silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did we need to? <laughs> it's just like salt right in the wound. Uh, Michael, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you guys. Like, or I agree with Gordy. Like, I it's fine, but I kind of liked where they had like in the '90s, early 2000s, where it was like a slightly different one every year. Like the base of it was still there, but like the colors were a bit different and stuff. Like I always thought that was a lot nicer. Um, but no, I'm not someone that's gonna get like worked up over oh, like the old one was better because people just don't like new things right now. So. I think it's fine. It's NHL, whatever. But I would much prefer those designs from like the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I'm also that same person that pounds his fist on the table every year. And I want them to go back to the Campbell Conference and Wales Conference, orange, white and black all-star game jerseys. But that's just me. Gordy, what's your take on it? Yeah, I don't, I'm not too, too passionate about it. It just kind of sucks. It follows the same pattern that every business has followed for the last 10 years, which is just straighten lettering, minimalize everything. It's kind of basic the other one was the old one was very nice but i mean we're gonna get used to this anyway so <laughs> not too not too bothered by it yeah as much as i'd like to think that the flames will be wearing one of those this late early summer late spring who knows um anything else you want to add i'm staring at a picture of uh, adam rosicka in a beautiful red helmet with a black <laughs> chin strap i'm just putting it out there <laughs> uh, anybody got anything else they want to add before we get out of here no all right awesome let's try to stick the landing here if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Google Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. Just search up Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you can find this episode and all past episodes of any Matchsticks and Gasoline podcasts. Gordy, Michael, Maddie, thank you for coming on today. Flames and Oilers tonight, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time, the Battle of Alberta. Back in action, Calgary looking to get their first win against the Oilers this season and push them further into the Pacific basement. We thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Tinderbox.